Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This time on ODP, we sit down with a father and son combo, Mike and Xavier Evoy, to hear about how faith and sports intersect in their lives and to hear how opinions are overrated. Welcome to Open Door Policy, Father Steve Polis. How are you? Good, Danielle. How are you? Good. Do you have any special graces that have you've encountered this past week, two weeks, three weeks? I weeks? do. In the last kind of couple of weeks for me, you know, one of the great uh, graces has been um, celebrating my dad. Father's Day was not too long ago. And when we got together with my dad, uh, it was great just to kind of honor him, be with him and you know, my dad's never happier than when he's got all of his kids mm. and grandkids around with him. So seeing his joy and being able to kind of be there with him was a great grace in my life. Dude, we got a dad in the studio. Hey, we, do. Hey, we have a dad and yeah. a son in the studio. Mike yeah. and Xavier Evoy. Welcome, guys. Hi. Thank you. Um, Mike, let's go through rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. And even though you guys tried to prep with last season's question, we got new questions Aha, this season. All we right. gotcha. Father, I knew it. Are you ready? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, Mike, what is your most used emoji? Thumbs up. Uh, what would be your walk up music? Ooh, Enter the Sandman by Metallica. I just love that opening beat. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite piece of religious art? It would have to be above the altar at Holy Redeemer Church. Okay, great. Uh, what do you think is overrated? Opinions. <laughs> it's a very opinionated response. Uh, what literary character would you want uh, to be your friend? Charlie Brown. Ah, love it. What kind of emotional outlets would you suggest? This football is a perfect dancer. What is your favorite hymn? Amazing Grace. What season would you be? Fall. What best piece of advice have you ever been given? Leopard does not change its spots. What is your favorite Bible story? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. I love that in the Bible. What non-traditional pet would you have? <laughs> a, a, a pet you've never seen someone have. Oh, that I would want to have a gorilla. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Nice. All right. That's it. That's Thanks it. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, Mike, why a gorilla? Because, like, gorillas are, to me, the scariest animal. They're pretty or scary. Or one of them. Why Why would you want a gorilla? Yeah, they are scary looking, but, I mean, they're so cool. I mean, it'd be like having an animal as your best friend because they're about the same size. Mm -hmm. They can lift heavier things for you. Right? Yeah. They could be a guard animal. A guard animal. You have a lot a of options A guard gorilla. There. And nobody will have ever seen a gorilla as a pet, which yeah. goes back to the question, right? If you're going to do it. Good. Now, uh, Charlie Brown, as, yes. a, as a friend, what's the, uh, how, how did, why Charlie Brown? From the movies, from the comic strip? Uh, from the movies, the cartoons, you know, on ABC. Charlie Brown's a loyal friend to everybody. Yeah. And I, that would just be a great character to hang out with. I mean, who better, you yeah. know? Yeah, I love Charlie Brown. Um, you think opinions are overrated? I think social media has created a platform where people really believe everybody wants to hear their voice. Hmm. Like, 
the ketchup was stale at this restaurant. Can you believe this? <laughs> no. Let's focus on more important things and you spending the time to tell us expiration date of mustard. You know? <laughs> it, so that's where it goes back to the opinions. I just... Got it. I, I remember concerned. asking a friend once, like, hey, what do you think of this thing going on? And he said, I don't have an opinion on it. I don't need an opinion on everything going on. And I thought, wow, that's so refreshing. Yeah. It, it is. I, I'd like to meet your friend. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is yeah. you. You're no, like, no, oh, okay, sorry. it is me. No, no. Um, so Holy Redeemer Church is in southwest Detroit. Yes. How did you, what is the art? How did you find it? Um, I, I found it because I was taking a mass there. I grew up at uh, Holy oh, yeah. Redeemer. Parish. Oh, did you really? Yeah. So purple and gold. Purple and gold. Oh. Church royalty colors there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when you talk about uh, religious art, I mean, I stared at that as a kid, either on Sunday or at school mass or any other reason, and it's beautiful. It's like a giant Jesus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the clouds, and he's, I mean, so peaceful. Why are you laughing? How would a listener know that? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I like the description, a, a giant, giant Jesus. Well, yeah. it is a giant Jesus, yeah. but and, uh, it's funny because I just saw someone posted a picture of it, and it just brought me back to my childhood. I mean, just sitting there yeah. and looking up at it at mass, you know, it's, I think it's beautiful. And so. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. All right, Mikey boy, could you share with us uh, your testimony, how you became a disciple of Jesus or what Jesus is doing in your life now? Sure. Um, I'm a good Irish Catholic, born and raised, uh, but I think the there's two significant uh, moments in my life as far as my faith. Okay. Um, one is a marriage uh, to my beautiful bride. Uh, she helped sort of bring me back to the church, attending mass regularly. I don't think that's uncommon for right. males as far as you walk away a little bit. You're not attending masses often, but it wasn't just attending mass. Um, it was also just talking about our faith. And then through the course of our marriage early on, I was sitting uh, without a job. Xavier, our oldest son, was doing about two or three months. I'm scrambling. I'm scratching my head. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a newlywed. This is not what I envisioned as far as starting off a family. And I was standing in my driveway, our newly purchased and needed a ton of work house, none of which I knew how to actually do or had the equipment for. But I stood there in that driveway, and I finally had a conversation with God, and I gave up on it being my plan. And I asked God to just help me see what his plan was. And I was giving it all over to him, and I was going to stop worrying, going to stop wanting to solve this problem, and that everything was going to be okay. And it was just like this great weight lifted off my shoulders. I don't know if I can describe it properly, but that right there was a turning point in my adult faith life. And whenever I've been faced with adversity, whether it's a father, a husband, Mm -hmm. co-worker, I just remind myself that it's not my plan. It's God's plan. This is all going to work out. Have faith and quit being such an idiot and wanting it to be a certain way. You know, like, you just got to turn it all over to God. And that was uh, an amazing moment for me. It's helped me be a better father. How, how old were you when that happened? Ooh, probably 31. 
we were only married maybe a year and a half. Okay. I'm without a job. My wife's pregnant. A, 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 a child on the way. Child on the way. We got this a brand new house. But we knew we could do it together yeah. if we had one another. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like a moment of adversity where kind of the Lord almost forces us to trust him or like creates the circumstances. Not that he takes away your free will, but he creates the circumstances where you say like, okay, I, it's really clear I can't do this on my own. So there's, yeah. oh, sorry, there's a saint named St. Ignatius, and he would talk about like, um, like different seasons in your spiritual life, one of them being constellations where you like really know that God is there and present and, and is like providing for you. And other ones is called desolation where you're like not sure if he's there or not. Would you consider that moment in your life like a good moment? Like when you look back on it, is it like something good or is it something hard? It was an amazing moment. Huh? It, it, it was a defining moment because I could have sat there and been stubborn. Yeah. I kept trying to push my way through, or I could have sat there and blamed God. Right. I mean, it, right. So often when you're faced with adversity, you, we experience people who, why would God do this? Why would this yeah. happen? I didn't have that. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't, it, up until that moment, I didn't just trust God in his plan, be open to it, lay it all at his feet. I was still trying to organize and be in charge of the situation, thinking yeah. I knew what God wanted. Yeah. Yep. As opposed to, you know what, I just got to relax, let this play out the way God wants it to. And as soon as I do that, I'm going to be better off. And sure enough, and I try to remind myself that all the time. So, no, it was a good moment. So what happened then? I turned it over to God. Uh, Xavier was born, our oh. oldest son, uh, a couple months later. And uh, still facing challenges, didn't know what I was going to do, but we were okay with it. Kept. Uh, discussing my wife and I about we're going to turn over to God and drove down to the IHM mother house in Monroe in Monroe I figured, shout out to Monroe <laughs> those those wonderful saintly women who educated so many e-boys and made sure we got <laughs> were education they, were they at Holy Redeemer yes the IHM sisters yep, up okay. until I got through as uh my mother and Megan will say they may have forced a few of them into oh early gosh. retirement. But, no, uh, we were down there to introduce a few of the nuns to Xavier. Yeah. Pull in the parking lot, and I get a phone call from the former Archdiocese of Detroit HR director. And he goes, hey, Mike, we'd like you to work here. How soon can you start? And I swear to you, I told him, it'd take me about an hour and a half. I'm in Monroe right now. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I've, <laughs> right. been, I've been out of work right. for all these months. Right. He's here. All right. So then he's like, no, no, how about Monday? I was like, okay, Monday sounds good. So wow. we walk into Mother House. We share the news with the sisters, introduce Savior. And a little bit later, he calls back. And I'm like, oh, you know, Sister, right. Sister Regina, excuse me, I got to take this call. And it was just to go over this detail or that detail. So I walk back in the room. And Sister Regina Mary looks at me and says, you didn't already get fired, did you? No way. <laughs> I, I, I swear to you, that's what she told me. But they, they must have known you pretty well to be throwing shade at you. Oh, like yeah. That. I was a second-generation e-boy walking those halls. So, You know, it's so cool how God uses, like, that moment in your life to say there's kind of, I don't know, a crisis or whatever, mm-hmm. and and, like, to call you to trust him. But you talk about that coming back again and again, like yeah. recalling those memories, right? Yeah. Danielle was talking about St. Ignatius. He talks about the power of memory and how in our discipleship with the Lord, those moments that we can, it can kind of be an anchor yeah. for our spiritual life going forward. So that's cool that like, that's a moment you keep going back to in your life. 
yeah, it was a really defining moment for my uh, adult life, being a father, everything else. And then all the adversity we face, everybody faces Mm -hmm. through marriage, raising kids, what have you. And we always come back to we just got to turn it over to God. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for sharing your testimony with us. So, Mike, we want to talk about sports and athletics. And I know, Danielle, you're like not the most So here's the thing. My person. sister is so athletically gifted at like literally she she was going to school, going to like for soccer. The rugby team, women's rugby team recruited her and she got named like the most valuable player of the year on the rugby team. So women's she rugby is team. the so big she's athlete. Like, she has like the sports gifts and that's fine. So I can't really. I thought you were going to say she has the sports. She ha- like I almost said like that. <laughs> I almost said that. But what was your sports in high school, college, Yeah, what did, you, what did you play growing up? Yeah. Uh, whatever I could. Okay. Uh, what would you play like on a team? I had a team. I grew up uh, playing tennis at Clark Park. Really? Okay. Uh, doubles, wow. singles? I played a little doubles. Uh-huh. I was a city champ. Were you? Uh, I think I was 11. It was through Detroit Pal. Uh, and then I had to give up tennis because uh, baseball started mm. at the same time as okay. tennis. There again at Clark Park. Um, played baseball growing up, a lot of stickball. And then I got into high school. I ran cross country, played basketball. Love, love basketball. Father yeah. Steve's a basketball yeah. player. I love basketball. Yeah. Too. I had that false dream that at five foot six white kid <laughs> who couldn't jump, yeah, I can go play pro ball. I don't need to study English. Who well, needs a language? I was six one and I loved hooping, but even then I knew like this this is not gonna be my life. But uh yeah. but it's, there, okay. it's okay to have a dream. There's something beautiful about it. And I found it helped shape my character a lot. Like it taught me all sorts of lessons. Like it, we were talking before about how you had a similar experience, Mike. Yeah, athletics was very important in my life. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was real young, okay. and so the coaches sort of filled in that male role model. But mm-hmm. on top of it, they helped shape my faith life. Really, because I was very fortunate. Uh, a lot of my coaches were alums from Holy Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And they were young, late 20s, early 30s. So, you know, they're cool guys. They haven't, quote, unquote, got married yet or have right. kids or own. But yet they were men of faith. That's I would, awesome. I would see them at church on Sunday. And yet they were still cool. So I was like, oh, wait, you can you go can to church. You can play sports and be yeah. faithful. Yeah. It's more you could be cool and go to Mass. Wow, that's, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's a cool stretch. But uh, And so a lot of... My teenage years were shaped by those coaches as far as the sacrifice for athletics, uh, team game, and also just trying to be a better person, a man of faith, sacrifice, do what's right, not what's wrong. Giving back to the community. Giving back to the community. Uh, One of the big things that really shaped my faith life was we would have prayer service uh, before contests. This was at your Catholic school or just Catholic at like, high school. Oh, nice. And so, uh, what, what did you have? You guys would gather together, like in the chapel or in the locker room, or we did not have a chapel because we had a beautiful church right. with, across with, the parking lot with the line. big Jesus. With the big Jesus, mm-hmm. yeah. so we didn't need a chapel. We got big Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we would uh, meet in the gymnasium, uh, especially cross country season. Okay, meet mm-hmm. up there about six in the morning on Saturday before we travel to some invitational. And we would take turns uh, leading a prayer service, 
coach would give us the gospel reading. We talk about the gospel. Wow. We talk about how the challenges of the character, you know, whatever the Bible passage was, and then yeah. talk about our own personal challenges as well. Was so. was that intimidating as a young person to kind of speak about your faith in a personal way, or was it just kind of the culture that you kind of grew up in? It was a culture I grew up in. Uh, yeah. It was very different because we were all Catholic. We were attending Catholic high school together. We grew up. We made First Communion together. Right. Confirmation. I mean, so to talk about our faith wasn't that difficult, especially since we had religion class Monday through Friday. So here we go again, talking about our faith. Yeah. So. There's a couple of parts in looking at Unleash the Gospel where, you know, there's no section on sports, right? Uh, but yeah. there, there's a couple of parts I think of touching on this, and I just want to get your thoughts. One is uh, the witness section, as we talk about Encounter, Grow, mm-hmm. Witness, and Marker mm-hmm. 9.3, how... Um, you know, you talk about the witness of your coaches, mm-hmm. how how they showed you. And I think that's one of the things, Catholic sports, you work in the Catholic League now. That's part of what you do. And I know I've talked with you and Vic Michaels, who works there as well, about the witness of the Catholic League to the rest of athletics, right? That like this is who we are as um, as faithful people who play sports. So like that's a huge role in uh, I think about our, our church of, of witnessing to say like, you know, not, not that we can be cool and Catholic, <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, you mentioned exactly. Cool no, no, no. But There's I mean, that's not that. what we're trying to witness to, but right. that, like there is something inherently good about athletics. Um, and, and we, we take that Christ takes on and brings into his church everything that's good. So we take on all the good of sports mm-hmm. and bring that in uh, to our Catholic faith. That's why we have Catholic teams and how important it is for young people. You talked about your family, but how important it is for young people to have people modeling that in their life and how important it is for coaches to model that. Yes, there's no doubt. Uh, I think one area that we have to work on as a church, uh, especially us in the Catholic High School League, is coaches feeling confident to model a little bit more, leading yeah. prayer services, but also giving their personal testimony. It's okay, it's okay to share a little bit more of yourself. But it's so critical. I think what kids learn through athletics, that sacrifice, that striving to get better, working on a guy given skills and improving upon them, yeah. but also for the greater good, it's really what we're here on earth to do. Yeah. To be a better individual, be a better Catholic, and we're all striving to go to heaven. It, you know, um, I was discussing with Vic Michaels a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this and that. But the thing I kept bringing up was, look, we're not preparing these young athletes for the NFL on Sundays, right? We're oh. preparing them for heaven, right? Right? I mean, the belief that you can go play in the NFL, the numbers are against you. I mean, the, the it, odds it, are it, it, it's even to go to college are, are from high school to college is a fraction. From high school to college, it's less than 2% of the graduating seniors this year will play Division One college football. Wow. Less than 2% of all those who graduated this year who played high school football will play Division One. In athletics, when you try to move up to those higher levels, it's all about measurables. Sure. Right? Are you sure. right height, size, Can weight? Can you run this fast? Can you, yeah. yeah. For heaven... We don't have measurables. It's all about work. It's all about do you have a relationship with God? Are you developing it? Mm -hmm. And are you demonstrating it? 
Right? But, Are it, you being a witness? A yeah. joyful missionary disciple. Yeah. Right? Amen. We should have a little bell that we ring when, when we use a that A little phrase. horn. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, but I, I think about what you said of, you know, using your gifts and talents to the best of your ability, right? Mm-hmm. That's the coach's job is to get the most out of his or her players, right? Yep. To say, like, God has given you a capacity to shoot a basketball, to run, to, you know, play lacrosse, to swim. And there's potential in you that you probably don't even know. I remember as a coach or uh, as a player, my coaches would push us and you'd get mad at them or (laughs) or annoyed. But they're like, there's something in you you don't see yet. There's something Mm -hmm. you can do better at this. Mm -hmm. And isn't that like the life of discipleships, right? There's more in you than you can see right now. And so Christ is like coaching us, not to get too corny here, but like pushing us to say like, I want you to maximize what I've given you not just to win a race, or as St. Paul says, a crown of laurels, but to win the everlasting crown of eternal life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It, you don't have to be a certain height or weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just have to embrace God, and he's given us all the rewards. I got two questions. What does it mean to be a good witness as an athlete? Like, what does that look like? And then also, like, building on that question, but this is not my second question. My second question will come later. If the word integrity, right, is the same as integrated. What does it mean to be like a well-integrated athlete? It starts with pouring ourselves into what we're, we've been asked to do, mm-hmm. right? That part of being a disciple of Jesus means we do our best at everything we're called to do. So it means like striving to be the best volleyball player, the best soccer player, the best basketball player you can be, knowing that Like God has given you gifts and talents for the building up of the kingdom and the kingdom begins here and now. And you can glorify God through throwing a a ball into a hoop. Now it's not the be all end all of life, but if that is a gift and talent you have, that can glorify God. Mm -hmm. I also think though, we have to remember that our opponents are our brothers and sisters in Christ. (laughs) And it's a fine line often in competition. But it's not, I have to win mm. at your expense. I don't care for you. I, I'm looking through you as an opponent. Yeah. You're not my brother or sister. We have to re- recall that and remember that. And it's a fine line in competition. But I think so often many of our uh, Catholic high schools, they do such an amazing job of competing and getting after one another during the regular season. Yeah. And then when you get into the state tournament, they are the best friends with one another. Yeah. Right? They they actually see one another That's as brothers awesome, and sisters. Right? It is awesome. But they see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That while you step in between the lines, yeah. I'm going to take all of the gifts and talents that God has given me, and I hope I beat you. Right. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to work as hard as I can and to beat gonna you. We're going to go head to head fairly and may the best man win or the yes. best woman win. Right. And now, incidents happen, but there again, sure. it, redemption. And saying I'm wrong and I've done something wrong, it takes place in athletics. Your point about this brings uh, me to the like another part of the letter that I was thinking of, marker three point one, the communion of the church, hmm. like the the bond that's forged in sports teams mm-hmm. is uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Now baseball or basketball, I should say, was my sport growing up. And our team wasn't very good in high school. So it taught me how to lose well and how to lose with dignity. How to be humble. How to be humble, (laughs) how to realize that others have more gifts than I do in certain ways. But the communion here of like 
I have a certain set of skills and someone else has a different set of skills and that can complement each other. And a little bit like you're saying, like that's not in competition directly with each other. Like God wants to use my gifts in a way that I'm not like an island on my own, but he wants us to come together uh, and use different gifts to build up his kingdom. If you ever want to see the best example of what you just described, yeah. watch kids on a playground. Mm. Watch them right around mm. third to fifth grade. Because at that age, it's all about just playing. So yeah. they will make their own rules up to where it's the most fair, balanced, everybody's going to succeed game mm-hmm. out there. As they get older and the adults get more involved, that's right. when we start to stray away from it. But kids at their heart, they just want to play. And what you were describing, they will make sure it happens. They'll yeah. pick teams to make sure they're balanced and fair because it's all about just having fun and using our gifts and talents. Now, going back to that, I don't think we answered Danielle's second question. It's okay. Oh, that's right. No, no, that's right. It's okay. Second question. The second question, well, I had like a couple. I don't know which one to to hit for this, but who inspires you guys as an athlete? Like, who are you Mm. like? This person like hits on all of these things. It can be professional or someone that you knew as an athlete. Yeah. You know, when I think there's the, the people who witness their faith beautifully, um, through sports. So I think of someone like Philip Rivers, who is very vocal about his faith. What and I, does he play? <laughs> he's a, a, Going back to football. a oh, okay. football quarterback okay. who is like one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the world. League. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, he's, uh, you know, an all-star um, or someone like Tim Tebow, um, other people who maybe kind of are more vocal for, for a cause beyond themselves. You know who I really liked uh, here and I still like him. But recent is a uh, former University of Michigan. And this pains me to say, of course, because I'm a Notre <laughs> Dame a Notre fan. Dame oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I University was like, of, why does this hurt? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> University of Michigan uh, men's basketball coach, John Beeline. Oh, yeah. Mm. Daily communicant, man of faith, coach, very successful at a high level. Yep. And never, ever that I've seen was he demonstrative towards mm. those young men. Mm. And he got the most out of them. And it was always a family community. I really, really liked that guy. So, Xavier, as we start to wrap things up, we don't want to forget about you. What, yes. it's, what sports do you play? Um, right now I'm in the process of golf. Okay. Um, I do play basketball and some soccer, but, yeah. Okay. Tell me, uh, tell us maybe something you've learned, a value or a virtue of uh, that you've learned through playing sports. It's not about winning or losing it's about growing deeper in faith amen perfect that's great so as we close those are great like final words for xavier mike as we close every episode we usually ask our guests if there's a word they want to share you could tell the listeners something what would you tell them yeah any kind of final word you want to share how about a prayer that i often get clowned about as if I'm taking an easy road out and I'm just mailing it in and I'm not wanting to put forth any <laughs> there's, word. There's no clowning in the ODP studio. <laughs> good, good. No, uh, one of my favorite uh, prayers is uh, come Holy Spirit. Amen. I was so happy Mike and Xavier came into the ODP studio today so we could hear about their lives and how faith imbued their understanding of sports and to see this father and son share their faith with each other and share it through their life of sports. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes 
follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Join us next time when we share our favorite Detroit summer memory. <laughs> How about the Woodward Dream Cruise? <laughs> Just going down Woodward, top down. Me and the gorilla. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.